Hi, this is Jonathan Strahan and Alisa Krasenstein. Coming to you live from the dealers. Well, it's kind of delayed. Well, I feel alive. Well, we're alive, but we're not live. <laughs> live here from the dealers room at World Fantasy 22 in Columbus, Ohio. Hey. Hey. Are you having a good weekend? I'm having a really awesome weekend. So tell me, as, as someone who, this is your second big World Fantasy, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. Yep. I went to Saratoga in, what, 2007? Yep. yep. And that's when, we, for those of you who may not know, we actually went and we did a whole thing in beforehand. Yeah. We had a big, you know, sort of party at the console there which was, it was and this is probably a more modest Australian presence being largely us <laughs> and one or two others yeah. I think I think there's five of us maybe yeah I think f- f- five at a stretch yeah so we're doing our best to sort of represent <laughs> the home team while we're away How? and we're representing there are a lot of sea breezes being drunk absolutely let nobody absolutely <laughs> you know think anything else and, and if you happen to be in Australia and thinking about going to World Fantasy in 2011 number one buy your membership now right now uh, number two you have to drink sea breezes. It's how it goes. Yes. It's a cultural thing. You'll, we'll explain. So tell me, Second World Fantasy, how's it from Saratoga? Completely different. Firstly, I know you. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't know each other in Saratoga. True. So I've been hanging out with you, which is cool. Yep. Um, completely different for me because I wasn't really in, in the industry in, in 2007. Mm-hmm. I was really getting ready to do 2012, which is our first book. So I was scoping it all out. And it was a little bit like Disneyland. Yep. Now it's a little bit like Disneyland, but for a different reason. Okay. <laughs> um, this is, it's, I, I kind of know of a lot more people. I've okay. read a lot more of what's being published right now, I guess. For so more of a contextualized thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And does that make it more enjoyable? More oh, rewarding? so much more. Yeah. And, you know, being able to, I guess, being 12 Planet Press, I thought we were going to be completely unknown here and we're not. <laughs> Um, which is it's cool, and being able to start conversations with people and have and have my own context of how I fit in yep. as well. And since you've been trading in the dealers' room, does that change it as well? Because you see the press has profile and all that kind of thing. You're here, there are people to encounter. Does that make it better, different, worse? I think you meet different people as a dealer in the dealers' room okay. compared to in the bar. I mean, I, I guess again, for those of you who have not attended a world, the central cultural event is the bar, and it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I was talking to Gary in a, Co- a Coot Street podcast yesterday about this, and the problem with it, he identified quite rightly, is it sounds like you're um, name-dropping horribly. Yeah. Frankly. I don't want to do that, but... No, because it's like you had dinner with and you had breakfast with, and, and you're sitting here looking around the dip and all this, and it could be so-and-so walking past. No, well, look, I, I guess your listeners don't really know me maybe as well, but, you know, you're getting into the lift and it's Ted Chang. Oh, I know. I and you're just like, yeah, hey, <laughs> hey, Ted. You know, but, yeah, you sit in the lobby and the whole science fiction fantasy publishing world goes past. That's right. And for four or five hours, or there's a double roar in the bar of 300 talking, loving fantasy and science fiction, engaging one another, aware of what... And that's a really, really important thing to do, uh, to have a chance to actually get around and see people talk to... Because, you know, I, used to, I made a mistake once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for those of you who, who think it's of any use, you come here to do but you don't come here to try to do business. And the kind of business you do is not the actual business that you think you will do, or the way mm. that you think you will exactly. do it. It's exactly. not really, hey, I have a project. That's right. Would 
would you be interested it, in? It, you can do a little bit of that, and sometimes if already in sort of like a relationship set, you can do But by and large, what it is, oh, hi, how are you, how's this, how's that? And maybe you go home and you start a ball rolling, you know? Well, yeah, it's also about, ma- I think, not just making a contact, but making a friend who that you then then will be interested in working with you. I don't even think it's about making a deal. I think it's about creating a project. And a relationship. Yeah. I, I also, think, you know, I, I don't want to make everybody think that it's simply because it's a it's buttload really of fun. It's really not. It's, it, it really is not. It's a buttload of, load of fun, but in a very different than other conventions, I think. Because of the concentration of the number of people. I think so. It, it, which you've called the uh, the pointy end before. It is. This is the, the sharp stick of the whole field. And it's actually about, you know, like the number of people who you actually would want to have gritty conversations with. I mean, yeah. I, I don't well, want to name drop, but last no, no. night I got to have the feminist conversation with Holly Black. You did, who is a lovely person. I think the thing about the, about it that, that addresses that is that um, it's not easy to get here. The only barrier is wanting to, and that's important. This is And being heard, able to afford to, oh, sure. that's a barrier. I mean, I've heard this described as an elitist event, and if it is, it's an economically, like, you can afford to take, you can afford to fly to work, and to do the thing. But there's no disinterest in you or whatever else because you're not heard of you. Right, or you're an up-and-coming writer. Generally, there's a great deal of you. Um, But I think the way you get the most out of it, try to relax and not get on edge about the burden on to sign up, come along. Yeah. Um, Have some drinks in the bar and you never end up with who you think you're going to and it's always way more awesome than you could ever dream. (laughs) Am I wrong? No, no, you're right. right. I mean, given that, I'm trying to think about this myself while you're the question. You come here and you're a writer, which neither of us are. No. I guess as a writer, uh, you know, I guess I don't want to do the whole Connie Willis thing here right now with you. But um, for me, as a publisher, being able to meet a writer as a person and hear the kind of person that they are, how their brain thinks, what they're interested in, what's inspiring or engaging Mm -hmm. or engrossing, then makes you decide whether or not you think that person might do an interesting project. Yes. So in terms of being able to be a writer and be at the bar and hang out with people and have conversation, Mm. that might not be the person who wants to buy your project, but they might be best friends with the person who will. And also I think on some other kinds of projects as well, I think there's very much that thing where if you sat in the bar and had a drink with David Hartwell Mm -hmm. and you just chatted about whatever it is, certainly not about your new book, or just to show him your new manuscript, which you did not bring because you know that you don't do that. Right. Um, When your new manuscript happens to go past David Hartwell, he will go, oh, Oh, and maybe... And it's not... The other thing you shouldn't do in order to be able to be in that situation is go up to people who are having breakfast and introduce oh. yourself. Oh, well, hang on. We, so we, <gasps> we do it now. We're it's doing it Gary. now. We are in the middle of it. Well, it's Gary. We are. Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, Gary Kay, seemingly absent. And yet knew we were looking for him. We knew you would be doing We were. <laughs> so, these Australians were trying to do a podcast without my prior knowledge. And we're doing pretty well, actually, guys. <laughs> We were talking about what makes world fantasy interesting to attend. Some of the things we were talking about yesterday, mm-hmm. but bringing in the perspective of someone who's on her second world fantasy and someone who, you know, is bringing a pub, you know, an up-and-coming, you know, small press publisher's perspective to it, and someone who's trying to work out how you get stuff out of this mm-hmm. as a worthwhile event. I, I mean, I think it's fun, I think, but I also think it's worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there are two ways in just talking to aspiring writers, learning the issue of trying to, where do you, to get an MFA or a, a literature to permit you science fiction fans. Probably less, I don't know how much, but the question is, 
exactly for. Okay. So what's this? I don't know. Background is wanted to be a science university. Right. Where would you? I guess you do a creative writing. Yeah, I guess. Masters. There, there are a couple PhD. of places that, like yeah. uh, UWA and Curtin. Curtin does one. Are places where you can do creative uh, writing degrees, where you can actually write novels as part of as your thesis, well, that's not true kind here. of stuff. That's true yeah. here. It's not that you can do that. The issue to do that is not writing. Anything. Well, uh, no, there are no. examples now at home in mm -hmm. Perth of people doing it with science fiction. Okay. The real problem, and I guess this may relate to the problem here, is finding someone like a, who's willing to market overseas. Yes, exactly. And I know that there's a um, science fiction critic, uh, Van Eyken, yeah. who you may have okay. heard of. I, I, I and he seems to be, well, at one point, was the default guy you could go to who would uh -huh. actually be willing to assess a science fiction Okay. Well, know, I guess and Helen Merrick does as well. And Helen, Helen Merrick does it now, yes. Good, yeah. and, and she is. Peter M. Bowles Horn was, in fact, part of his... Oh, excellent. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A number of Patrick, Lynn Graham, Joe, yeah. and uh, Ryman, all of them. Yeah. 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 It's one of the, I guess to get back to the conversation we're having yeah. before yeah. I got here, it's one of the kinds of it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as I was saying to Elisa, the death of it is trying to network. You have to network with that trying to. Yes. You know, <laughs> what you mean. You know, which sounds like very counterintuitive, doesn't it? I mean, really. It's like, well, I'm going to go network, so I better go network. Uh -huh. But then you, you have to sort of decide that or, or appreciate that networking means just socialize with a bunch of people who you don't quite know yet. And even if you recognize them because you saw their picture somewhere, you know, you've been reading Locus and you've seen all those photos and you know that that's Tim Powers over at the table over there mm -hmm. and that's Jacob Wiesman from Tachyon over there mm -hmm. and whoever else that you're better off just be treating them like there's some guy or some girl. Well, I guess it's more them. about, I guess I said to you, I'm totally, I've got the bug. I've got the World Fantasy Con bug. I yeah. was thinking that I was just going to come uh -huh. every second year. I need to be here every year. You do. Because these are my people. And it's not yes. just about networking. It's about these are people who get me and who are interesting and I think that's the key to the success me. of it. You and so it's not about networking. It's about making friendships. It is. Really. It's about recognizing yeah. one another, that thing in one another. Oh, the, that the, is the yeah, common thing. The, the network, there, there, there's a level of people. I, yeah. Because you, you must have had the same. That if somebody comes up to you, this networking in their eye, yeah. and sometimes they will say, "Can I network with you?" No, no. This <laughs> no, is you may not interf right. in, interface with my port. No. No. Well, here, here's, here's a good example. John Scholes here. Yeah. Now John Scholes is a fine writer, but one of the things he does is very in yep. people look sure. at it. He's very gentle. He, yes. he is. Uh, he gave Faramund. He gave Amelia Beam a talk. Uh, yep, yep, yep. He offered an academic. Now, fortunately, John Scholes Chicago as did I, so we're alum pals. So you're like <laughs> yeah. that. Sorry, with fingers ripped together it's, like that. It's, it's he does that very deliberately. As oh, he a does. way of supporting him. Yeah. He does it much more. Yeah. Uh, Neil Gaiman does some of this, but Neil yes. Gaiman on 1,000 per hour will vlog. But still, there's that everybody he wants to deal. I think so. And I think there are writers who don't like the kind of other but still want to support them in doing yes, that. Yes, I think that's thing. true. I think that's very true. I mean... Yeah, and I think ultimately everybody here seems to be a reader and lover of this genre. Oh, yeah. So yeah. we want new people or current people to write new stuff so that we can read it Good and if you can everyone. support that ooh, two short sorry. announcements Announce an announcement the uh, Philip K. Dick award is holding uh, the silent auction uh, <laughs> this is being picked up Oh, it is. This is, this is the good stuff. Look, you see it's being recorded. That auction will conclude in about a half hour. So if you'd like to bid on the items in that auction, time's around short. If you're listening Second to this podcast, you missed a chance. Folks, uh, handling the Sunburst Award are also running a silent auction. If they're recording this podcast, we missed a chance. To be in the bar. Boy, we're technical geniuses. I could have paused this, but it's comedy gold. Isn't that Coop Street podcast? It's just rough and ready. That's, well, yeah. Yes, that's us. We're rough and ready. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. But uh, Elisa, you, this has been here. I know you've been at the table. Actually, yeah. being at a table... It's pretty good. Mm. And I've been sharing with Locust. They've been really kind. So 
a lot of people have come. I mean, the one thing... But you meet different people here in the bar. Oh, yes, absolutely. More likely to a conversation here. Yeah. Than we certainly had, we had this high-tech Marvin and microphone. It wouldn't work. So we're... Yeah. No, we're... Okay. I, I wanted to go back to what yes. the uh, reaction... One of the advantages Fran is from the Locust... We've taken over her table. Also. Hi, Fran. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Fran. Oh, we're at the Locust table right now. Uh-huh. Yep. Renew your subscription now. Yes. yes. <laughs> www.locustmag.com. At, At any it, moment, we may be interrupted, but begging to subscribe to Locust. Lifetime subscription. Ten Lots. times the current price. The cost of a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seriously considering getting one of those, though. I've been sitting at this table for like three days. Well, Fran's, <laughs> Fran's done this a lot. One of the things I mentioned is that there are different networks, but quiet conversation. Being at an out in the deal is a very good place. Yeah. People, almost everybody will mm. in the Yes. Yeah. In the bar, you pretty much have to fight your way in money. Yeah. At, at any shoulder surfing going on. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and the half-finished conversation. half-finished yeah. conversation. Yeah. People saying... And, or conversations and you case, wish you only had to sit through half of. Especially in the bar late at night. You know, I, I don't know if you guys get this, but any number of people absolutely convinced I'm somebody else. And there's, there's one it's guy... It's Harrison Ford, isn't it? That they think <laughs> yeah, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Johnny Depp is ruined for me forever now. Uh, there is. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's one person here who I uh, <laughs> not at this convention this year. Fucking five years to learn that I'm Crowley. Okay. And I'm, oh I'm roughly gosh. the same height as John Crowley. And as far as and, and he has a beard. That's about it. Yeah, I have to deal with the guys who autographed the rabbit. <laughs> the it. other Gary Wolf. Yeah, the other Gary Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Last night I was in the bar. I was talking to Peter Straw, two guys. Yeah, I was talking. And two guys had a pile of books that you autographed. I had you autograph the first and the arc of the novel you, the Archbishop, the Gary K. Wolf, Space with the Archbishop, which I know sounds like something made up for the benefit of a movie, but I guess they're Archbishop of New York. And I could not convince them that I had never seen them. They were yeah. absolutely these books for the period, and finally could let it go. You know. <laughs> It's not important. It's not important. <laughs> and you're ruining the other Gary K. Wolf's yeah, PR. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, wonderful opportunity. Well, you're John Crowley, you know. You can just fine. say I, just I about no anything. Problem. I have no problem. This is the other reason you come to the World Fantasy Convention, to mess with other people's reputations and <laughs> mis-signing their books. <laughs> if, if the other Gary K. Wolf, which I believe he does, and people come up to him and say, you were you were you real crap at the at <laughs> World Fantasy because you refused to sign my books, and I figure he'll be as puzzled as me. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. So come to World Fantasy, be puzzled. Uh, so I want to go on and get a shot. Okay. Well, you, okay, you, we all rolled in on Wednesday evening. It's yes. now, for listeners, it's 4.30, Saturday afternoon. We're coming up to the last big dinner evening, really, of the convention, and we've got the, the awards sit in front of us yes. tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, you, you, know, you arrived Wednesday evening, we had dinner. What do you think? Oh, we had dinner with Locus. You did? Gary yes. and, and Liza. We did, and, we had dinner together. And Cecilia. Yeah. Yes. Um, that was that was really odd. It was good to come in early, but then the convention seemed quite long, because I keep thinking I'm a day ahead of myself. Yeah. But, you know, um, it's the same hat thing. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but then there also is today, which is Saturday, uh, that you realize this is almost over. Yeah. And I haven't talked to half the people I, I, know. Need to talk. I know. I know. And then I've just talked to other people I hadn't planned to and stuff. I <laughs> know oh, I've had a really great time. I've tried not to be really stars in yeah. my eyes. Ooh, this is, you know, like we we went out and had dinner with people we hadn't expected who I'm big fans of. And, you know, you want to be yeah. you want to be cool. Well, this is the thing. This happens to me all the time. The, one of the things <laughs> I most enjoy, and it, it doesn't always happen, is connect with They are huge fans. You would never have them together. Yeah. And I I can quote this, put it on tweet, had breakfast. I would never have thought that, the, but, so there's this tweet from, I had breakfast with a great American historical novel, a fan, and I thought, uh-huh. and I showed that to <laughs> <laughs> Right. But that 
that's a chunk of what happens as well. You get to be a fanboy or a friend. You know, I went off and I spent clang uh, three hours at brunch with Guy K, uh-huh. talking about privacy stuff. You know the kind of things you talk about. Privacy is one of his great big things in uh, everything he does. And yeah. This whole idea that you don't represent historical figures in fiction because they're not really them, fictionalizing their life, you're stealing their privacy, and that it's not a reasonable or fair thing to do. And actually, it's a perfectly. Re- it's just like his argument with the yeah, the movie The Social Network. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. There's this film that distorts truth what happened in the evolution of Facebook, puts real people in it, but fictionalizes them, and it steals their privacy. And I think that guy's got a point. But anyway, he does have a point. But that's one of those things that happens as well. Mm-hmm. You know, that at a convention like this, you're going to meet people like that, and you're going to have those kind of conversations, and that's perfectly reasonable. Sorry, we are quietly moving our podcast back. Totally in the way. We, yeah, we were. So we're gonna, I'm just going to quietly beware of the clunking changes of doom and try and be a little bit more reasonable. Okay. This is like the clunkiest Coot Street podcast or slash whatever a podcast ever. But we'll get through it. They're kind of cool in person. I was going to say, this is the yeah, reputation yeah. we have. Of being, <laughs> I mean, Half-assed. Yeah. Or arsed. Ah, whichever's better for you. Whichever. Fast. I, there, there was a this completely parent, a federal community chairman yeah. who made a very yeah, famous speech about American television describing it as a vast waste. Years later, I had bad as a today I'd describe it as... <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I guess one of the one of the things I have it's kind of struck me is um, it's been really weird most of the weekend. Fran and I have been almost the only female dealers in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's certainly the only female dealers for a while, except for those crew like under forty. Uh-huh. Which is which has been kind of um, confronting with how we've been talking about it heaps on Galactic Suburbia, mm. but I actually do it in person. I wanted to ask you about this. Well, you've recently been to a world. Con, yeah. And I don't know if Aussie Con was one. I've noticed that that book dealers do tend to be men. Yeah. And when you go to uh, Worldcon dealers where you have stuffed furry dragons and that's and jewelry and that's those dealers and I don't know what that means, but at World Fantasy there are virtually as far as I know, no stuffed dragon dealers. No, you're not allowed. But 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 when you say no women, do you mean dealers or do you mean uh, buyers? No, I mean yeah. yeah. So um, apart from those three women I can see from here yeah. and one over there. Yeah, but they haven't been they've just gotten here. Apex okay. has been mostly staffed by male. Um, uh, they, Rena, Rena Wiseman is taking yeah. care of it. Yeah. But you're absolutely but the book deal. Maybe, maybe it's maybe, that male Asperger thing. Well, I was going to think maybe it's just accumulation, the gathering, the rat packing, run love. Not just not just people who love books, but people who love to amass books. Sure, maybe. Is that more of a male thing? I don't know. I mean, I, I amass books. My mum amasses books. I, I don't know. I, I think partly a lot of the publishers must be male. Book dealers are all male because those are all those are publishing yeah. houses. I don't know. It was it was very confronting on the first day because they weren't here. Yeah. Um, oh God, I'm gonna be here all all, all week like this. Um, that's been one thing. But at the same time, they've been everybody's been quite warm and encouraging. So it's like, well, okay, you know. So I guess this is, this is a conversation that. I've not been involved with at previous events like this for whatever mm. reason. So it's interesting to hear the, that perspective. Yeah. I mean, I've heard it elsewhere, and I've had it, but at previous conventions, it's not particularly a dialogue that I've had. Mm. I'm curious as to how, perhaps last evening aside, you found the whole thing of um, going to, you know, out in the rest of the convention, going to the bar and whatever else. Yeah. Does that have the same kind of breakdown for you? Or <laughs> Okay, there are a lot more women in the bar, but, I mean, last night was confronting. Um, <laughs> that kind of power dynamic, kind of more what I'm used to. Okay. Um, I, yeah. No, I mean, there are a lot more women around. Well, 
And one of the things I've noticed that's changed probably the last 10 years, especially among newer writers, there's a fairly gender balance. Now, I, I, yeah. I know more new women writers than I do I guess that's true, yeah. but the kind of conversations I'm having with those women is not, I'm not allowed to, to be here, but I don't get paid as much as everybody else. I don't get paid as much as guys. So that was... I really? Was still, yeah, huh. I was still having... Even writers like selling their work. I mean, for advances when yeah. they first get their books. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that was a conversation I had yesterday with several really? several women who were several novels into their career. Um, that those conversations are still happening. Yeah. Um, so they still, yeah, with some really good, really good galactic suburban material. But um, well, I wonder if you, there are, there are a handful of male romance writers. I used to. I wonder if that's reversed with the romance genre. Probably this guy that I do, that until he established, he got later. Yeah, I'm always interested by that as the counter argument. Is it okay if it happens in other genres, or should we address it's it in not our okay genre? If it happens in any genre. Yeah, yeah I think that's true. Uh, but when you say somebody's several career, yeah, yeah, I was quite surprised by that. She was sort of saying you, you make the same sales, you have the same number of books, right. your advance is still lower. Well, I mean, so whilst you still ultimately earn the same, you're exactly. given it you're differently, the same which is weird. Yeah, so you, you no, make no, it up in the royalties because your sales are okay, but the publishers aren't willing to to pony up front the same amount. Yeah. I'd be curious to talk to one of the major publishing houses, people, particularly since, as, I, as we keep observing, not overwhelmingly, but mostly the people you deal with are women, frankly. Writers, you mean? No, the publishers. Publishers. Most of the people I deal with with a major public... Oh, the editors, a major pub- the yeah. yeah, or wherever it might be. Yeah, I mean, I've dealt with uh, Harper Collins here in Australia quite a lot. Contracts and sa- and but they're involved in uh, putting together the offer for the advance and all that kind of stuff. They, they have a input into that. Well, and they're, you, they're asking for money. You know, they're, they're going to the meeting trying yeah. to get an advance. And it could very well be corporate meetings where you're in your enough that what, no matter what the editor thinks, yeah. they're getting what they can in their budget. Okay, allowing that I don't believe that conventions are safe spaces anyway. Okay. And going back to the whole safe spaces kind of argument, um, how safe a kind of space for someone coming to world fantasy the first time do you think it is? No, I mean, it's not meant to be a loaded question. And I'm not referring to, to what happened last night, which is by the by and will remain discreetly private as it should. But, but yeah, I mean, is it somewhere that, that um, say, an Australian woman coming around the country, around the world to, to visit world fantasy is going to feel comfortable in? Um, yeah, I don't feel uncomfortable. Okay. But having said that, the being Australian is the novelty. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think it's a safe space. Yeah, okay. It's not including, you know, bar antics. That's that's yeah. kind of the world, isn't it? Let's, let's, let's ask Karen Burnham if she's had that same sure. experience. Karen, come over here for a moment. Yes, come here, Karen. Because we, we have certainly used your name in vain on these podcasts. And, and Elisa was talking about... Um, First of all, the lack of women dealers, and that got into the, just interesting. That got into the other women writers get lower. As, okay, Karen is now. I've been nursed by the microphone. <laughs> Karen is a NASA engineer who is going to have to caress the microphone for a few minutes while we go off. <laughs> leave her alone get with it. Get some coffee. I can move not and, touch. Le- and leave some wipes behind. <laughs> you need to put a photograph of this microphone okay. on really? notes from school. It's yeah. very cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, see the, the. Anyway, your serious question well, was. The serious question was. Um, well, no, Elisa was, which I don't know. 
the answer to that uh, a number of even two or three or so, say that they are tell us they are tell Elisa they're lower than male writers at times. Do you know that? Have you heard that? I I didn't know about the advances like the monetary, uh -huh. um, but it, it sort of fleshes out another thing that I've heard and felt, which is uh, something I read that, that I I found very heartening actually was that a lot of successful women when they're interviewed and I mean heads of Fortune 500 companies, uh -huh. uh, investment successful people are the top of their field. They're interviewed and, they, and you really dig in. They're like, you know, I feel like I'm faking it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and you know the men in the equipment interviews don't feel that. And oh, they uh, feel that they just don't say they that. They never maybe admit they it. Don't, yeah. Maybe they don't admit. It. Um, but you know, I feel that way in my engineering career all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Especially because I'm an engineer, but I also did the lit stuff, and I'm like, oh, real engineers don't. You know? <laughs> but so, they should. So they let's should. move on. Yes. We're having yes. a podcast. They read science fiction, but they don't talk about it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but no, and, and of course in so many the monetary discrepancy, and I see... Really yeah, I mean, I guess we shouldn't really be surprised by that when, when we don't have equality for wage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is a wage scenario, and so, oh, it look, is. it does, we don't, you, you don't get dollar for dollar. I wonder if it might be, or in, in, in a, let's say science fiction, historically thought of as being sold. Maybe when I think in the last that have been vastly promoted, I mean, this year it was, yeah. was a non-genre being published about 10 years ago. Clark. Clark, the Jonathan, yeah. not being published as a genre writer, not being, but getting enormous amounts, the amount of time, I assume she must have Australia, she was being, no. she was exhausted, but I think because they felt, that whoever, whoever thought, we need to find a way of marketing a lot of women readers, yeah. and to some extent to do that, the hardcore fantasy readers are going to buy it in, because she was one of our tribe, and she's yeah, yeah, around yeah. so I wonder if that might be a more serious in this general horror fiction characteristically male fiction, historically thought of it, despite the fact that everybody said uh, their mind was changed for a couple I'm of years. Yeah. yeah. Fantasy is the one thing a lot of very... It does. Okay, we, 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 we've exhausted that topic. Okay. Well, look, okay, well, I guess since we're talking about we're not getting too depressing, though, and I don't know how I would break it down, so I'm just going to throw it out. Is, it a, is this a welcoming place... This is World Fantasy a welcoming place for women. It might sound weird, but I mean, like, <laughs> seriously, you come here. I mean, this, you've been into a number of World Fantasies, right? Well, actually, only two. Two. Uh, I'm, I have done more World Cons than World Fantasy. Yeah. How do you see the difference between the two? You know, I, gosh, I've had such an experience with World Con because I started going to World Cons before I was part of the. Yeah. Um, whereas I've only been to World Fantasy as a semi-pro. Yeah. Yep. So here I walk in, it's not about am I a woman or not, it's no. a, hey Gary, how's it going? It's yeah. good to see you mm -hmm. again. It's right. friends. Yes. Whereas Worldcon, you know, it took a, quite a few before I felt comfortable. Well, Curtis and I basically used to go to Worldcons and together. Sure, yeah. sure. To, for mutual support, and we'd go to the panels and, you know, go to things, but we always ended up eating dinner together alone. Yeah, and yeah. And really found a social niche there mm. yeah. until I met you guys. Yeah. And so for me, the breakdown has to do with where I am in my career in the day, not Oh, that's else. interesting. Yeah, I, I think it's very welcoming. I, I yeah. haven't ended up with a meal by myself here at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bouncing around, hey, come along with us, you know, and, and, and a lot of people who you might sort of think, oh, that person's not going to talk to me because there's someone and I'm no uh -huh. one. I was like, no, no, hey, I'm not doing anything for dinner, let's go. And you Absolutely. get the opportunity to speak to people on a person-to-person -person basis rather yes. than a, you know... Right. Oh, well, that's whoever. I, I, I think that is one thing. I, I think that's more evident here because I, my, my sense of world concepts yeah. is that there is there is a very nice convention of people like us somewhere within a world. Yeah, right. they're, they're, they're the customers and the gamers and the media <laughs> people, and they're, they're the majority. But, yes, but but I, we're there. We're just diffused and hard yeah. to find. Though in Saratoga, I did have lots of meals by myself. Oh, you were at Saratoga? Yes, yeah. she was. Yeah, I was no one then, so I had but to. Margot was there. Didn't yeah, but she kept getting whisked away by her agent. Uh, she was working. Yeah. 
Well, that, that's one of the things that does happen. And well, you were at the Howard Morheim dinner. Is that tonight? Yes, yes it is tonight. 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 Okay. I'll be putting on my tux and going out on the town. Howard Morheim, very successful, prominent. Uh, takes all of his clients out to a very formal dinner with tuxes and gowns and things. I hope you end up in the Burgundy Lounge. I've never been. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tom Doherty is having a party tonight. But by and large, the, the business stuff seems to me to be less inconvenient. It does. It does. Well, I think it really helps that people are limited to that one, usually one panel thing. I think mm-hmm. people don't yeah. go as overscheduled. Right. And they have more time to just, like, have a longer conversation yeah. before going, oh, crap, I've got to get much. to my next panel. Very much. Right. This is my least yeah. programmed or scheduled event in years and has been lots of fun. Uh-huh. And I've still been quite busy and hung out yeah. with people and done all those kind of things I'd like to do. Mm-hmm. And I think the, one of the things that's very important is that... Uh, when it, even a very prominent writer comes to us, they don't, very few of them come as a city or act like. Yeah. And in some cases, uh, you'll find some almost being left alone because they, uh, I mean, I, as, as you guys know, I hang out a lot with Peter Straub, who's not like that at all. Uh, but there are people who hang back because they say, I can't go talk to Peter Straub. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it does, the worst case of that I ever saw was an ICFA conference in Florida years ago, and our guest of honor was Doris Lessing. And we went to a pre, and I became friends with her because of this. We went to the the night before the convention begins, as we call the cons, which I'm an academic and we don't call it that. And she's sitting by herself. Yeah. Um, and she's sitting by herself because everybody else is cowering 20 feet away from her, afraid to approach her because yes. she's Doris Lessing. Yes. And my wife, who just had no interest, she's lonely. Well, yeah. And we started talking, and she was, of course, absolutely delightful. She wanted people. And by the next day, people thinking, you can buy Doris Lessing a beer now. This is okay, and she won't be. I think what happens here is that people learn that more. I guess so. I mean, th- this is just by length of time in the community and everything else, it's the next layer in in the shell of kind of get closer to the core of the field, if you like. And everybody's involved, everybody's active, everybody's interested. Yeah. And, and you know what I will say uh, that uh, you'll probably say, see, I told you so, but on the internet, the internet is a very one-dimensional experience. Uh-huh. People say things and then everybody else gets very angry and tars a particular person a particular way by a particular comment in a particular conversation. Oh, that person is blah. Yes. And at this at this convention, I've ended up having meals with several people that I know of people who will tar those people in a particular way. And mm-hmm. I have encountered them perhaps online yes. and gone, okay, this is this person is actually a three-dimensional person. Yes. This is one aspect. It was one conversation yes. where they said yes. one thing. And in fact, they're people. And you yeah. get the chance to know people as people Very and much. think, well, I actually really quite like you. And, and a mature, grown adult will be like... I'm not going to hate you because you, you don't like potatoes. Yes. Well, one, yeah, and one of the things that happens uh, when, you're, when you're talking to somebody, somebody who might be involved in it, and you're in a conversation, and maybe you're at a bar, and you have to work through that. You have to find some common territory. You have to have some level of civility to yes. continue the evening. Yes. And on the Internet, you don't need to do that. Right. No. On the Internet, you can no. flame them and go to bed. And you've got some cheerleaders behind you exactly. going, keep going. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, 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 so there is a, I, I suspect what I would call a degraded level of on some web discussion because it takes more of an effort to be civilized than it does in person. Well, I I think online discourse is inherently monochromatic and one-dimensional and far... You you don't get to elaborate and elucidate in the same way. You don't get to pick up the social cues from people in in the same way. It's even a very simplistic thing. 
I've done a podcast with four people with Elisa, yeah. uh-huh. and it's really kind of complicated. You talk all over each other. There's four of you, four of us together, and f- for those listening, it's like we're in a corner of the dealer's room, completely overtaking the locust table, which we'll have to stop in a minute. Yeah. But we're together. We can talk. We see uh-huh. each other. We can understand exactly what, you know, we don't talk over each other for that reason. And it's like that comparing online to the, re- the real world. You know, it's mm-hmm. like we can see people, you understand them, and if you, you have to be a little more civil. Um, you don't have that. I mean, the online discourse is a coarse discourse. It doesn't have to be. Well, it's a know. very dramatic gesture. You're talking with a bar, or even more so at a restaurant, and you disagree with it. It's a very dramatic gesture to get up and walk away. Yeah, it's <laughs> not going it to finish is. this. Online, <laughs> easy. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I know, when I write, uh, for instance, uh, because I know it's low bandwidth, you don't have the social cues, you can't see I'm smiling right. or something like that, I use way more exclamation points and even, yes. God save me, lots of smiley faces. Because yes. keep things from being yeah. read sarcastically or negatively right. or snarky. And you have to, it, it's just like Gary said, it's a, it's an extra effort to civilize, to make sure that it you're is. like, I'm saying this smiley face. Yeah, I'm yeah. totally yeah. teasing you now. Yeah, yes. just a little yeah. teasing, not a big deal. Yeah. Or, uh, but of course, then there's the weird thing where that comes back. I remember um, I was talking with Graham Slate in at ICFA, and he's like, oh, are you going to ReaderCon? And I said, oh, I don't think I'm going to make it this year. And he went, oh, sad face. Oh, no. And literally, <laughs> I'm like, face to face with him, and I'm like, you're talking in emoticons now? Yeah, yes, Graham yes. is talking in emoticons? <laughs> yes. Hang on, I'm going to lull at that for you. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. Yeah. <laughs> you could all carry little emoticon masks on stickers. <laughs> Though I will but, notice that I've never seen anybody rotful mouth. Have you? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that I did find an odd kickback. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. No. Well, I think we've probably imposed on Locust long <laughs> enough. There's an extra little thank you, like www.locustmag.com. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll be back at Galactic Suburbia and Notre Dame Cood Street pretty soon. And maybe we'll have uh, another podcast after the World Fantasy Awards, maybe tomorrow before we all wind up and go home. But We should thank- do one. Uh, you're, you're both staying, we're all staying over. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. off crack a door Monday. Sorry. Thank you, Elisa. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, John. And we're all going to wind up now. Yay.